Join Sarah Weiss in the infinite field of energetic aliveness and heart-centered wisdom. This is the Earth Love Spirit Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Love Spirit Podcast. I'm Sarah Weiss, your host, and we are all about the new spirituality, the the leading edge of the beautiful energies that are flooding the earth right now, that spiritual people, sensitive people can pick up on and can be uplifted by these energies. So in today's podcast, I have a wonderful woman, an old friend, colleague, and all-around generous-hearted being. Her name is Karen Hansen. Karen Hansen is the founder and executive director of Girls for the World. Girls for the World is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the growth, development, and empowerment of girls as powerful agents for social change in their communities and the world. Karen goes all over the world to help young women find their voice. She's conducted successful workshops and programs in Africa, Haiti, India, Peru, and the United States. She works with women to develop their intuition, connect with their inner guidance, and create a passionate, spiritual, and powerful life. Help me welcome Karen Hansen. Welcome, Karen Hansen, Executive Director of Girls for the World. Hi, Karen. Sarah, hi. It's so good to be with you. You're such a good, dear old friend, and I'm excited to share the beautiful, generous work that you do for the girls on the planet today. So we're going to start with uh, an introduction to Girls for the World. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay. Girls for the World is a nonprofit organization that I started about 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now. Um, it, is a, it is an organization that crosses boundaries um, of faith and cultures and socioeconomic status. Um, I work with girls, mostly poor girls, um, all around the world. At this point, I'm working in India in uh, Lesotho, Africa, in Haiti, and in the Peruvian Amazon. And I help to fund programs and lead programs and um, lead girls on a journey of self-awareness and leadership building. We do work with girls finding their voices, with them trusting who they are and what that means in their, in their worldview, um, moving beyond the gender issues of the day and of the place and finding more, a broader uh, identity for themselves. Uh, it's a workshop, uh, they're workshops that are uh, based in experiential learning. Um, we do it through the expressive arts. So we do it through art, music, dance, and drama, which is the big way to you know really integrate those kinds of concepts that we deal with. And we have a lot of fun. We sing, we dance, we play. We do things that the girls have never done before. So when it started out, I started working with adolescent girls and then moved to the mothers. The mothers said, you teach our daughters. We don't even know our daughters when they come back from your program, teach us. And so now I work with mothers and grandmothers too, which has opened up a whole new level of relationship for the girls and their moms. 
a whole new level of understanding. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful to be invited into places that I would never have ordinarily seen, to hear stories that move me profoundly. Um, it has been gift for me um, and a learning for me as well as for them. So they are my teachers and I tell them what I know. Um, and we share that together with joy. Oh. How on earth did you even find the first place to go? Well, you know, it's, I, I always laugh. The divine imagination is so much better than mine. Um, so I had undertaken a master's degree when I was in my mid-40s, mid to late 40s. And um, I had done a compilation of uh, all of the spiritualities that I was interested in. At, at the end of that particular program, I had just started to think about India and I wasn't quite sure why India came in for me. I hadn't done any uh, particular reading about it or study about it, but I knew that I wanted to witness all of the uh, spiritualities and all of the religious um, fabric of Indian culture. And so I went with a, a local Cleveland group organization with uh, on an immersion trip. And from the moment I stepped on the plane, Sarah, I felt like I was going home. And so it through the work that I did with this particular organization, I went back a few times. I came home from, I think my fourth trip in two years. And my prayer one night was that I know I knew the divine wanted me to be there because magic happened when I was there. So I had been asking previous to that, like, what do you want me to do? Now I finished my master's. What would you like me to do? And the message kept coming back, just rest. Well, this time I posed the question, give me a name and I'll know who you want me to work with. And the name Girls for the World came in a few hours later. Um, I Googled it. I didn't find anyone who had that particular name. So the next day I reserved the website or reserved the name and uh, waited for more guidance about Girls for the World. So I had um, over a period of about a week and a half, three people asked me if I'd ever done any free writing. And, you know, speaking in terms of synchronicities, that would have alerted me to the fact that, okay, I'm supposed, Spirit wants me to do some free writing. So I did. Uh, I had done some general free writing. I took notes. Um, and after um, six pages of scribble, at the end of the free writing exercise, it said, teach the girls to know themselves, to love themselves and trust themselves, and the rest comes. Oh, that's very powerful. So then what? So at that point, intuitively, and with the help of friends who um, I was close to, I developed a program of things that I would want my daughters to know, things that covered who am I, who are you, who are we in relationship and who are we in the world. And what came to me were very simple exercises. They were, how do I understand myself in the world right now? Who am I? 
What roles do I have? What labels are attached to me? What labels are attached to me in my culture? Um, and how, so how have I come to know myself better? And then who are we in relationship? How do we get along together? What does it mean to be friends? What does it mean to be partners? Um, what does it mean to grow together in compassion and love and mutual support? Uh, and then we talked about being in the world and the power of being in the world and, and the power of showing up in the world. Um, we talked about our gifts that move us beyond who the limitations of who we may think we are. Um, we talked about nature and how we're like nature. We're like the powerful storms that come. We can be peaceful. We can exude beauty. We can exude power. We talk about what it means to be in circle with one another, what it means to provide a program whereby we can practice new behaviors with one another, new ways of being, new identities. We practice um, things that we have never done before. We play games and we laugh and we sing. We try things that we've never done. I know one of my personal things, Sarah, was that um, I have always been afraid to sing in front of people because I've been told by my children that my <laughs> voice is not one that people would want to listen to. Um, and yet, when I go to places, I sing everywhere I go. And so it's how do I move myself past the fear, through the fear, and trust who I am at the deepest level? And we do that together. So we stand in this circle in solidarity, in equality. The girls in the circle have never been equal. They've always been the last. They've, they're the last to be fed, the last to receive healthcare. They're always last. So what does it mean to be equal to somebody? How do we treat one another like that? How do we support one another mutually? How do we show up as, as in shared leadership style? There might be a leader who emerges at one moment and everyone follows, but there's another leader who comes up in the next minute. And how do we do the dance of leading and following and trusting again who we are to do that with our authentic beings? So the work has been very beautiful. It's, uh, it's been magical actually. Um, and I started in India in a very small way with a group of about 12 women I always, I'm sorry, 12 girls. I always bring in somebody from the community, a couple of women from the community, and they participate in the program. Um, and that's for their safety. That's for my safety. Um, and then it's for the continuity that allows the program to take root in households so that the mothers are able to talk to other mothers to see what happens. So the program has grown beautifully. We have girls, we had girls who would only go to school through third grade through sixth grade, and some not at all. And the way that this has developed is we now have girls 10 years later who are finishing high school, in college, in vocational training. We have girls who are nurses, girls who are um, seamstresses. We have girls who are teachers. And that has created a whole different level of community through the support of one another and these mothers. That is profound. Your, your work is truly blessed, Karen. Thank you, Sarah. It, it feels like I've been given a template. I was handed a template that is just gift. It is just treasure. And I hold it in front of me because 
of the way that it came. Um, and so this is something that we share together. It's, it's not me or, you know, anything about uh, the organization in particular. It is gift that we share together and we grow together and we learn together. And I think that has helped all of us, including me, to find a stronger voice, to trust ourselves more, to um, understand when to take a stand, it, how to find our power. And that has been gift for all of us. Let me ask you this, Karen. Given all the different continents and different places that you've done this work, are there similarities and differences that you notice in the different areas that you go to? You know, I feel like this work is the big work, Sarah. It's who am I and what am I doing here? And how do I live authentically? Um, so from that standpoint, even though I've been in such disparate situations and desperate situations um, around the world, the needs are the same. Um, the work is the same. Uh, it may be uh, translated a little differently and maybe facilitated a little differently. The music we listen to may be a little different, but the work is the same, owning who we are and finding the wisdom within to be all that we can be. I've worked with women in the United States. I've worked at a private all-girls school uh, in a very affluent community, and the need is the same. The work is the same. It puts a broader context around all of us in how we see ourselves in relation to the world. It broadens the, the global boundaries within which we work. And so we understand ourselves better by knowing who we are in relationship to these people around the world. When I first went to India, I went a few times and one woman finally said to me, why do you come here on vacation? You can go anywhere you want. <laughs> and I looked at her and I don't even know the word, all the words that came out of my mouth at the time. All I know is that I said, your story is my story. And I really don't understand myself until I understand you. And we do this work together. And by the end, we all had tears in our eyes. It was a profound growing together um, and a crossing of the chasms. Um, the girls will laugh at me and they'll say, she understands us and she doesn't even speak our language. And I look at them and I say, yes, and you understand me too because so much happens around outside of the language barriers that we have all around the world, that we understand the depth of who we are as girls, as women, as our lineage. And we celebrate that and we ritualize that in the programs. We honor the women who came before us. We honor those who will come after us. And we take our place at the precipice of where we are now and decide how we want to show up. And then we move toward that. I, I'm just struck silent um, for a moment here of how beautiful this is. Um, I know, since I've known you for a long time, Karen, I've, I've watched how you've evolved with this program and how you've grown. And, you know, I've seen it also, I've seen how hard you've worked to bring this to fruition. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about 
some of the things that have happened to you along the way, some of the realizations for you? Sure, I'm happy to, Sarah. I, I think this was a seed that was planted long before it sprouted. Um, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom with my children, and that was my passion. I loved it. I relished the roles that I was in. And, but as my children grew, I really sought to move outside of that intimate family bond and the roles that I played, the identity that I created for myself, which was small and wanted more. I used, I used to write little notes to myself that said, who are you? Where are you? Um, I had done what a lot of women do and, and um, give my all to my family, which was appropriate at a certain time. And then it was appropriate for me to move beyond. Um, and so I found that I had um, a deep desire, a longing for a spiritual connection. Um, I found Reiki at, and I found your classes and, and participated in that. And the more I worked in that way, the, the more I was, um, I needed more satiation. Uh, I started to read books in, like a mad woman. I couldn't stop at a stoplight without opening a book and reading it, whether it was someone's experience or somebody's um, self-help information. I was um, just massively involved in the growth of myself and how I understood the divine to be. Um, I started to uh, feel a little odd, you know, um, this was the center of my world had shifted, my focus had shifted, and I didn't quite know what to do about it. Um, my intuition started to become more keen, my knowing started to become more keen. I had dreams that were vivid and telling me what was going to happen. I had experiences that people would come in and tell me what was going to happen or, or not in specific terms of Girls for the World, but that I was meant to move in bigger ways. And so all of these things were happening. And I'm like, am I crazy? <laughs> What's happening? And I was at the same time confused, exhilarated and terrified. Um, I didn't understand how someone could be so consumed by a walk with the divine. And then as I grew, um, my life became a prayer. Um, it became a song to the divine. And I wanted to walk in that intimate way and that solitary way um, with the divine. And that, and that was really hard. Um, it was really hard to understand who I was in relationship to a family and yet walking this sort of monastic path. Um, I felt like I had a calling to do this and it was as strong as anything I'd ever felt. I felt I wanted to unzip my skin so that I could step out of it and step into a new way of being that didn't exclude any of those that I loved, but that allowed me to expand myself beyond what I had kept myself in. Um, I did feel like I was crazy um, and it was, it was not an easy time. The un wanting to unzip, the longing became painful. I just had to do it. Um, so I started a master's program in ministry at Ursuline College. Um, and I brought to bear all of the uh, study that I had done 
up until that time. And I'd studied the Kabbalah, I'd studied Hindu philosophy, I'd studied Buddhism, I'd studied some Native American spirituality, and I studied Christianity. Um, and I brought all of that to bear and looked at all of the mystics through the ages and the um, intellectuals through the ages and the women through the ages uh, and, and what that has meant to myself and women everywhere. Um, I started to go to daily mass uh, and I met a group of wise women, elders um, to me. And we sat around the table and we shared food um, and we held a Eucharist of sorts and they labeled it as that. And, and it felt so growth, um, passionately, um, what, what could the word be? I, I bloomed, I blossomed, um, I, and I wanted more. Um, I was intent to have more. And, but at the same time, my world was upside down and I didn't know what that meant. Um, I kept following the energy of spirit and I knew that my life was changing. I knew that my um, relationships were changing that there was something for me that was bigger than I could hold. Um, and at the same time, I had a spiritual teacher who told me always walk behind the prayer, walk behind the prayer. And so it became a divine unfolding of what I was to do and how that was to happen. Every step that I took, I was met. Um, and the way spirit worked with me was to give it to me one step at a time. I didn't do it any other way. Um, I started a, a spiritual program um, out of, with, a, with a very special teacher I had. And that was a program where we did a lot with consciousness and awareness. And again, owning who we are and working with the divine in ways that wouldn't, um, th that would come through native spirituality and different levels of, um, of being and learning and growing. Um, it became a study of allowing and surrendering and trust. And, and it still is, it still is. There was one situation when I was working on my master's degree that I was outside on the deck and, and a huge dragonfly came in and it was beautiful, iridescent with blues and greens. And, and it just sat there about 10 inches away from me and I looked at it and I went back to reading and I looked at it, went back to reading and you couldn't miss it. It, it was, I, it must've been about six inches um, high. And so I finally asked it, do you have a message for me? And the message that I got was trust yourself. Do you see how I trust you? And I have grown to trust following the energy, no matter where it leads. And that's not always easy. And sometimes that's scary. But the trust allows me to do it, despite the fear, <laughs> despite the anxiety, and just to walk with the divine in that way. We are really in holy territory right now. Because of what you're sharing with us. And so just to take this a little bit further into the more current time, um, 
how has your work with Girls for the World evolved uh, to this point where we're limited in our travel and you can't be in person with everyone that you'd love to be with? Well, Sarah, I've always been a seed planter. Um, I've never felt like I had to see all the results of the seeds that I planted. I always felt that I had my work to do, that I would do that. I would do it to the best of my ability and allow what meant to come through to come through, but that the divine would take care of the rest. And so after 10 years, I have stepped back from active participation in the circles to allowing and cheering on the women and the girls work that they're doing themselves. And so I am here in the States. My U.S. passport means nothing at this point. But I continue to support the work that goes on around the world. The most recent um, project that I have supported was a stitching center. Um, Girls for the World has funded a new sewing center in one of the poorest areas that I've worked in, in India. And we have worked a number of years on the developmental work that I described the last year or so, we have done a lot of work on reproductive um, issues within the communities that we work in. Um, there are still so many taboos when it comes to menstruation and um, pregnancy and, uh, and other things like that. So we started hand sewing menstrual pads mm. the last couple of times that I've been there, which the girls have loved doing. And so this year I have, again, um, I'm, we're opening a center where we'll have sewing machines. We'll have a teacher come in. We will teach the girls who are working um, toward a seamstress certification. Um, and we are opening that in this particular area. It's really good work. Um, the girls are ready for this. They're ready for the next step in the growth of Girls for the World through their own authority. And that's, I'm really grateful to see that. It will enable them to get some work too, because in India, as well as other places, stitching work at home can be done. Um, so even during COVID, they can work and make a little bit of money for their families. I hope that I'll be traveling again soon. I'd love to see the progress they're making. But again, it's time for them to, to own who they are. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to step back and to see them blossom. Uh, I never know when that's going to happen. Uh, I never know when a girl is going to say, no, don't hurt me, don't touch me. I don't know when a girl is going to speak up and feel strong in her being. Um, and, but those things are planted in them. And I trust that that will continue. Sarah, one of the things that I did in the other communities was in India, the prime minister uh, shut down the country with four hours of notice. Now this was back in May, shut down the country with four hours notice. And I, and everyone that I work with, if they have any money, they're all gig workers. They're all just, you know, whatever little thing they can do, they do. So I, with the funds that I have, I had people put together packets of food that would last them a month, a service for four people for a month. Um, 
for about $13 a bag. Wow. I know. So I did that for a couple hundred people. Um, all of the women that I've worked with, plus, you know, I mean, not all of them, but many of the women that I worked with, uh, we fed for a month till they could get back on their feet a, feet a little bit. So, I mean, this is feet on the ground type of work that you're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just couldn't forget about them. So it's, you know, or, or just say, Oh no, that's not the work we do. He's like, Nope, we'll do it. <laughs> we're doing it. Um, so they were desperate. They were absolutely desperate. Um, so yeah, it's just a strange time in this, in this country. And I'm hoping that we come through. So I would, this is almost like a little bit of a backtracking, but since you led into this, I'm wondering if you could paint a little bit better or a more clear picture of really what the hardships these young girls are facing. Sure. Um, You know, life is difficult in those countries. Um, in, In every country, girls have issues. Again, as I said before, they're the last. Um, when I, when I first went, I didn't know uh, all of the difficulties, difficulties that they have, but there are issues with clean water. There are issues with enough food. There are issues, so issues of malnutrition, issues of healthcare deprivation. Um, there are not enough in some of the places that I go, there are not, they don't have the ability to access healthcare. Um, education is a big thing. Um, the families have limited resources, extremely limited resources. So the boys are funded for their educations, but not necessarily the girls. Um, we have helped girls and, and mothers to understand how important education is for them. Um, some of the physical hardships of living in the slums, um, of the dirt, of the disease, um, I have been working with some people who live at the, at the base of the trash dumps. Um, every summer as the monsoons come, those areas fill with runoff from the dumps. And these dumps might be four stories high and a mile long. Um, there are many people who live in these particular areas. When, I'm in the, when I've been in Peru, there's very little electricity. If anything, they might have an hour in an evening. There's often no fresh water. Um, the bugs are so bad when I've been there in January and February that there is heavy as snow. And so disease, again, are issues. Everywhere I go, trafficking is an issue. Um, sexual abuse and harassment are issues everywhere I go. Uh, I had a girl in a circle in Peru who had been abducted by several men uh, and kept for a week. And the girl who set her up, because there is some money in that and some power in that, um, was in the circle as well. Uh, I have girls who are bothered. Um, Sometimes the girls, uh, in addition to working with the adolescent girls and the moms, I've started, as of several years ago, actually, I've started working with the little girls from 8 to 12. And sometimes they're the most targeted in the areas that they work in. They're the most vulnerable. 
So we start the work early. We create relationships early with some of the women who work in the circles that we're in so that if they need anything, they can get it. Um, these are all issues that are standard in the places that I work. Um, and they can be devastating. Mm, how do you handle being faced with seeing people in conditions that are so difficult? You know, there are blessings to be in a, being a foreigner coming in. One thing is I don't always get the stories in detail, so to speak, because, um, because of the language barrier. But more important than that, Sarah, I don't know. I go in with the joy and the expectation that we are all whole, holy creatures. And the benefit of that is that the girls experience that often for the first time. And I don't totally understand it. It comes through. But we rise beyond, above all of the everyday mundane things that happen. And I mean mundane in terms of everyday, not necessarily, you know, small things that happen. But the girls have an opportunity to, to really see themselves in a different way. And that is such gift. So if I can bring my clearest, most grounded self into work, if I can open myself to what spirit wants to come out, then that's what happens. I had um, a group of, the, one of the first programs I did with women, there were about 50 women in a small, small space. We were shoulder to shoulder and knee to knee, and it was 112 outside, and I don't even know what it was inside, but you know, we had a couple of fans that didn't work very well. But, um, and it, we started the program and we talked about s sort of what we wanted to, what our intentions were for that and how we wanted to work together and support one another. And the women decided they wanted to tell their stories. And we went woman to woman and each one told her story and we cried for each one, cried for each one. And then we danced. And we dance the energy of that stories out of that of those stories out of that space so beautifully and so profoundly that the women felt cleansed. They said, "We feel like new babies. We are born. We are fresh. We are clean. We are born." And that is the beauty of creating a sacred space where they could just share who they are. Um, and then grow in that sharing. You're such an inspiration. I'm sure you're an inspiration to every listener to this podcast. Uh, is there any anything else you'd like to share before we come to a close here? I, I think that what I would just like to share and offer um, from heartfelt experience is the deep wisdom that lies within us. If we can just tap that deep wisdom, we'll know the right thing to do. We'll know how to trust ourselves. We'll know what's good for us, what's right for us, what blossoms for us, uh, what will lead us to something that we're meant to be. 
And I think that's trusting ourselves, knowing ourselves, loving ourselves, as the words gave, were given to me in my free writing exercise, are the, is the work we came to do. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today, Karen. We'll have all the information for uh, contacting you and Girls for the World on the website. I'm, you're accepting donations, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and they will, they are put to good use. They're absolutely, every little bit um, is put to good use. So that would be lovely. Wonderful. If anyone, yeah. Okay. All that information will be on the podcast notes. And I want to thank you very much for sharing your time with us. And you're just a blessing to all of us who know you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And I feel the same about you. I'm so grateful for this relationship and for all the relationships that I'm in as a result of your work. Thank you. Uh, Blessings all. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Earth Love Spirit Podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.